Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Hilary McMillan, who is a fashion designer, and she is best known for her cruelty-free women's wear designs. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, I love it. I uh, want to just jump right in, because uh, I can't wait to hear about your come-up story. I've been to some of your fashion shows, mm -hmm. and I've been a fan of yours for a while. Um, so I want to know about like where you started, and uh, yeah, so where were you born and raised? Um, I was actually born in the States. I was born in Boston. And then, oh. um, yeah. And then we moved to Canada when I was three. So I pretty much say I'm from Canada, but even though I wasn't born here because I kind of spent my formative years here and then decided to start my career here. So that's kind of, and it's all been kind of based in Toronto. So nice. Yeah. And when you moved to Canada, did you come to Toronto? Richmond Hill, but okay. then came to Toronto when I was in going to grade seven. Oh, so you came... Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so you're yeah. there and then here. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. So yeah. uh, do you have any siblings at all? I do. I have an older sister. Uh, she actually works with me as well for business. Oh, I so, think yeah. I have met her at yeah. one of your so pop-ups. family affair a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And what brought your family to Toronto? Um, my dad got moved for work. So oh, okay. kind of just happenstance. Um, my dad's Scottish. My mother's American. So they actually met in Canada and then moved to the States and then got transferred oh. back. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So it's kind of always a little bit of a tie here. Yeah. So it's kind of like come back to all started yeah. nice and do you still have your American citizenship I do yes I have both so I'm dual which is easy for travel and easy for work yes but kind of a pain for taxes taxes yes, yes exactly yeah. <laughs> um and so what made you want to start your business here like did you did you even think about it when you were or was it like guaranteed guaranteed yeah. yeah I like love the city I love Toronto I just think it's such a great place to be and to, to you know kind of absorb it's such a multicultural city and it's so beautiful so I just kind of was so always wanted to have my career here. I actually went to school, so I went to university in BC, in Vancouver. Oh, nice. So I spent some time other places, but just kind of my heart's here and I love it and I can't really imagine living anywhere else. Right. And, mm -hmm. and your parents are here still? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so you're born, uh, what school, what elementary school in Richmond Hill did you go to? Because I actually kind of grew up in Unionville. Oh, did you? And I Aurora, went, which is like bordering both. Kind of, right? <laughs> um, it's actually closed now. It's, it was a Montessori school. Oh. It's called Lifetime Learning. So. Stop this now. I went there. <laughs> did you? Yes. What year? Oh my god! I've never in my whole life met like, anyone like else people. <laughs> in ever, and Weird. my brother is one of them. Probably okay. So I would have been there. Um, I guess like ninety, like three to ninety six. What year are you born? Eighty seven. So was my brother. Okay. So What's your brother's name? Jeff Garriock. Jeff Garriock. So he would have been in, but did you do any like skipping grades? Cause a lot of kids did that there. No. So I was there from grade two to grade six. So. Okay. So. What would that have been? I, those would have been, cause my, my years, because I think I was there when I was there, I, I was, um, like kindergarten or preschool yeah. to, I think grade one and my brother's three years older than me. So he, it would have been his, what, what is that? Like grade three, grade two to grade five. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, look them up. I need so to look them names, but that's so weird. That this is, is I, I can't even believe, yeah. as soon as it's you said Montessori, I was like, oh, weird. It's such a random school too. So random. Yeah. And it went um, bankrupt. Yeah. Like is that recently. What after, yeah, because the yeah. principal was, um, or uh, this is what I heard, was like embezzling a lot of the money. Oh, and then it like, yeah. Oh, but great story. But <laughs> I later heard it was because their, I don't know if you remember their daughter, but she got, she had actually breast cancer no. and passed away. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Do yeah. you remember? Yeah. 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 Um, 
so I think they were actually using the money to like help them get through that. So oh, like it's, it's like a sad. It's a sad. It's not like you're a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like okay, I understand. Like, yeah. Still, you shouldn't do that. But like, I get it. Fair, right? Um, Such a random school. That's I so weird. In my whole entire, <laughs> no, of course not, life ever. I can't even believe you said that. I'm so shocked. Because there's like the more popular member across the street. Yeah, like the bigger one. one. Yeah. Weird. Oh, oh my so god, weird. I can't even believe this. My sister and I both went there. And your sister's older, older right? Yeah, okay, yeah. so I maybe probably wouldn't have known her. But my brother skipped, um, he, and then he so he skipped a year, and then he was in like a four, five, six, seven split. Yeah, so that's he, when I was in S four, five, six split. Too. Okay, so yeah. you were one thousand percent in his class. Very weird. I can't. I need to call him as soon as we're done this podcast. <laughs> I can't believe that. So for those of you listening, this school existed for I don't even know, like ten maybe. years max, yeah, 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 and we that. were at the tail end of it. And like I want to say in like nineteen ninety five or six, it closed. Yeah, yeah, like literally belly up and. <laughs> what was the so population weird. of the school? Seventy three people, like, like kids. Because I think I had like grade one to grade. I think it went to grade eight. No, it went all the way to thir- OAC. It went all the way to grade thirteen. No. But there was like two kids in yeah, OAC. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So the chances of anyone ever Very meeting random. anyone else that went to the school is like literally slim to zero. I'm also like so embarrassed with the name of it too because it's like such like, a <laughs> sad name too. It's like lifetime learning, yeah. but for four years. Right. <laughs> oh, God. That weird. is so crazy. Weird. Oh my God. So now I need to ask where in Richmond Hill you went to. Um, or sorry, you lived. I lived at um, Bathurst and Major McKenzie. Okay, so very, very close. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and we, at the time when we were going there, we were just, um, I guess we were at 16th and uh, Warden. So just okay. like east, yeah, in, yeah. Like, more of the Union Valley area. But weird. oh my God, I'm like not even over this at all. I can't believe that. <laughs> Look at your brother on Facebook. So, I gotta check. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we need to chat about it. Super weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in that school, okay, so okay, having gone to that school, I know that they were very, in, like I was in culture shock going into a regular yeah, elementary. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they were very encouraging of like, like do whatever on. you want yeah. and like, yeah. It was kind of like learn at your own pace and kind of do whatever you wanted to do totally. interested in yeah yeah so did you gravitate towards fashion at that that school uh no I actually gra- I went to university for policy and economics so I totally oh. didn't even go for fashion design I had no knowledge of it really kind of I like was always creative and always artsy but never really like honed it into any specific skill set um and then after university I went to design school for a year and just like okay. fell in love with it and then that's kind of where it started so I was like a late a come to it later in life well nice. later like 22 but still but like also very ahead of the game because you're still extremely young and have a very successful uh, business. I don't feel so young all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So did you have any, like what made you choose that? uh, You said it was poli-sci? Yeah, poli-sci. What made you choose that to go? um, Um, I was like always very into math and sciences when I was in high school. And then when I graduated, I kind of like, I was going to go to either business or arts and arts seemed like getting an art degree seemed more like opportunity and open versus like economics or not economics uh commerce seemed very kind of pigeonholed into certain which is very interesting because i think most other people would say the complete opposite Opposite, yeah yeah well that's like asking a 17 year old to make a big life decision that who knows what you know exactly and i was always kind of interested in politics so that just seemed like a natural progression for me so then i just kind of you know you don't declare your major until what second or third year so i just kind of loved all my policy classes and decided to pick it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And did you go in Toronto or? Uh, t- uh, no, I'm in TBC. 
Oh, that's right. You yeah, said yeah. that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So you were just kind of randomly and like, was it for you? Cause I, I talked to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I didn't even really consider the arts or fashion or design mm-hmm. because they don't really even understand how to make it a career. Was that totally. the case for you? Or? Yeah. I just kind of like, it seemed like a task that was like never ending or too big to kind of even dump into almost. And so it just never even kind of crossed my mind as something that I was even considering. And then I just really fell in love with the program when I did it. And I loved kind of the, so pattern drafting is kind of a very mathematical procedure to kind yes. of procedure, but way to think about how clothes come together. So I like really love that part of um, fashion and design. And it is kind of like putting a puzzle together, which is kind of what my head goes to. So that's what I really fell in love with. And then, you know, it's so beautiful to create an idea of something and then actually see it come to fruition. So that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That It is so true because I, again, talked to a lot of people and they're like, oh my God, patterns are so confusing, but it's mm-hmm. nice that you were able to like, uh, find what you like math yeah. and then, you know, kind of put sort it into of, that. Yeah. Yeah. The marriage of the two, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you were in university. Sorry. What high school did you go to? I'm just curious. I went to Branksome Hall. It's a private school. Okay. Mm-hmm. In Richmond Hall? In Toronto. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so in, in high school, did you have sort of any idea what you wanted to do or you just picked? No idea. Yeah. Just and you picked. were like, oh, okay, I'll do this. Yeah. And, and why Vancouver? Um, I really wanted to get away. So I like, I love being in Toronto, but I kind of was, you know, 17, 18 and wanted to kind of be on my own Experience and kind of life. get, a lot of my friends ended up like staying in Ontario and going to like Queens or Waterloo or Western. And I kind of wanted to meet new people and kind of get out of my kind of high school bubble and go kind of experience something different. And Vancouver was a big kind of different experience for me. And I kind of love that about it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so you did that and then you went, what design school did you go to afterwards? Blanche McDonald. It's like a really small kind of, in it's, Toronto? You know, it's in Vancouver too. I went to oh, Vancouver. Okay. It's, um, it's more like skill based versus kind of like a Ryerson, which is kind of more of a creative, well, what I assume is a more of creative. So they kind of foster that kind of, you know, I think outside the box and my school is kind of very focused on, um, construction and, you know, this skill set because you only have a year. And so that's kind right. of what it was more focused towards, which was great for me because I didn't want to dedicate another four years. Yeah. Yeah. After just doing four, four years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like ready to get it's in like, the workforce. I'm not trying to be a lawyer here. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be 28 when I get out. Um, and when, so did you have to audition for this school or? Yeah. So I had to go um, have an interview and show like portfolio and stuff. So it was kind of like a collection of sketches. And then I actually had to go and take a sewing program to before I got admitted because I didn't have any knowledge oh. of sewing skills. So that's something that was kind of a prerequisite for me to go to the school or a good idea, even if that, um, but no, it wasn't so much kind of, it was more kind of, if it was a fit for you and they kind of liked your aesthetic, it was, you were, okay. yeah. And so did you even like, you said you had like some sketches and whatnot. Is mm-hmm. this just like random ideas in your head or were, like- yeah. So I kind of wanted to, I always kind of wanted to make stuff and kind of see if I could. So I got like a little sewing machine and I just started to kind of sketch things and like put together from like some easy skirts or before I knew what pattern drafting was and kind of just trying to make something out of nothing. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of sketching out ideas that were in my head. Yeah. Nice. And mm-hmm. then you're just like, yeah, this is what I think I'm going to make yeah. and like go for it. it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, because I don't even really know, like I know everyone knows Parsons, but mm-hmm. I don't really know of very many, um, you know, design specific schools in Canada that aside from like the Ryerson like fashion program, mm-hmm. but again, that's a little bit more broad, I think, mm-hmm. and more general. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there, do you know if there's any other ones in Toronto? Yeah, so George just... Brown is a pretty good one. Oh, okay. um, there's a Fanshawe, which is up in Western, what's well, not in Toronto, but in Ontario. Um, and that's a pretty good one. It's my assistant went there. It's apparently very skill based as well. So it's oh, not nice. so much. And I think George Brown is also kind of very skill based. 
based. Um, so is Ryerson, but Ryerson is a four-year program, and George Brown's only two. So you have opportunities to take more electives, obviously, if you go to uh, Ryerson. Um, and then there's little schools, like there's Toronto Film School, I think, has a program. Oh, I didn't know that. And then Toronto Fashion Academy, I think, has a program. So it's just kind of looking. And then seeing where you fit, you know, kind of what works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you go to your design program. It's a year. Yeah. Is that, was that like so intense? Did you feel when you graduated that you had the right skills? I did. I definitely don't think I had the right connections. So like then I moved back to Toronto and you know, in Vancouver kind of like learned about fabric suppliers and kind of people that existed in that scene. And then moving back to Toronto, I kind of had no, I had no clue about where anything was. So it was a lot of kind of working to figure out that out and making a lot of stupid mistakes in the beginning. So I always tell new designers, I'm like, go work for someone first. The amount of experience and stuff mm-hmm. you'll gain from working with them and even connections is honestly so invaluable. So I wish that I had done that because I think that was one of one of my bigger mistakes. Um, but no, it was it was tough. It definitely was, but it was it worked out. So that's good at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And very few can say that because a lot of people will get overwhelmed mm-hmm. and probably quit or something along those lines Mm -hmm. and did you have like what would be like I wouldn't even know what step one is like what was so like you graduated you came home Mm -hmm. and then you started like researching these things but what was step one like draw a collection or um so step I actually moved back because my sister's opening a jewelry store so she asked me to come help her so I wasn't originally going to come back that quickly um so I moved home and kind of helped her open the store um in the west queen west area and we were there for about I don't know five years and I worked there with her for about two and then I I started to do kind of a capsule collection. I didn't wasn't interested in like wholesaling at that point. I wanted to kind of see like local manufacturing, sourcing locally, and kind of figuring out what the steps were to build a collection. So I was unfortunate enough because it was kind of before the Instagram boom mm-hmm. of Facebook marketing kind of took off um, and getting stores to buy your stuff is kind of the biggest hurdle when you're a new designer. So I was lucky enough to have a kind of a store that would sell my stuff and I could meet directly with the customers. So it started kind of with building, um, kind of drawing a collection, finding fabric, drafting it, getting it produced, um, getting, so I did small units and then put it in the store and it, and it, did well and I got to see kind of firsthand what people liked and didn't like kind of took that feedback and I did that for a couple seasons and then eventually started to branch out and wholesale and I left my sister to work alone well she had employees but I was no longer working there and I kind of dedicated myself full-time yeah all alone (laughs) abandonment um and then I dedicated myself kind of full-time to working on kind of wholesaling my collection trying to get out there Nice. Mm. Uh, what was your first coll- or first capsule collection? Like, what did you <sighs> gravitate towards? It was fall 2012, I think, or 2013. Um, so we're cruelty-free now, but we never used to be. So it was a lot of actually like furs, wools, and leathers that I was using back then. So it was, um, it was like two coats and then some separates, and that kind of was what it was. And it was a higher price point, and it was fall. So it was like uh, layering pieces and heavier fabrics. Um, but it was only 12 pieces total, so it was really small. Ooh, but that mm-hmm. still is like a healthy first. Yeah, I was picturing like three to five no, pieces. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to like build wardrobes. So I wanted to make sure it was like you could buy a complete outfit and a couple other things to go with it. So kind of that's what I was building off of. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, and then you did that at your sister's store for a couple of seasons, you said? Yeah, so I did it for a couple of seasons, uh, two to be exact. And then I kind of started um, trying to figure out the wholesale scene, which was a undertaking to say the least mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of doing it by myself so that kind of is also very difficult um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and young people have to kind of be a jack of all trades and it's not necessarily all the things that you're good at so like I'm not good at selling stuff it's just not my brain um, so I think you know once I was able to get someone in that could help me with that that's when I kind of was able to take off a little bit more 
Nice. Mm-hmm. And how, um, what did you find at the beginning was selling the best? Coats. Yeah. Especially for Canada. Um, still to this day, we do a large business in coating. Yeah. That's um, like one of your staple pieces, I would say. Yeah. So we do like a lot of trenches and we do a lot of kind of outerwear and puffers and stuff. Um, so that's huge in Canada, especially now that like our seasons are so you know, like short and, together. and yeah. And mesh, like, you know, we ship spring in February and like, it's still cold for another three or four months. So it's, it's, it's a big part of our business. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So then you started going down like the wholesaling thing. Like Root, what is yeah. step one for that? <laughs> oh, I don't even know. That's a difficult question. I would say now it's going to be different than when I was Probably. starting. So did you just like Google how to wholesale? <laughs> <laughs> no tips. Um, no, I. Uh, so I was when I was with my sister at the store. I was able to go and do buying stuff with her. So we went to a lot of trade shows. So that was kind of the avenue that I had been exposed to. So I was like, "That's what I'm gonna do," which is not what you should do because it is very expensive to go to trade shows. And um, a lot of people kind of make appointments and go to their brands that they know. And there's not so much scouting at these like large coterie shows in New York that have like thousands and thousands of vendors. So you kind of get lost in the in the you know sea of it all. Um, So I don't think that's the right route, but that's kind of the route I took. And it was kind of just like really kind of like, you know, go to stores, email as many people over and over again, hound them, hound them, hound them, and try and get your foot in the door. I offered a lot of consignment in the beginning because people don't always know new brands and don't know Mm -hmm. the fit, da, da, da. So that was kind of my way to tackle it. And Um, just for those uh, who are listening who don't know exactly what consignment is, can you just explain it? Consignment is giving product without having to prepay for it. So basically if it sells, the store will pay you once it sells and usually kind of in like a monthly lump sum. So like multiple pieces sell, they'll, they'll give you like after that month they'll pay you um and then whatever isn't sold they return right okay mm-hmm. cool and do uh is it a larger percentage that they take if they do consignment no so like we set our wholesale costs and so then they set their retail costs we have a suggested retail um and they can choose to use that or not but it's kind of what we're going to put on our website um and then they keep whatever they sell and we get our wholesale cost nice mm-hmm. um okay so that's awesome and then uh like what happened next? <laughs> what was next? Um, so that kind of I didn't like the trade show, trade show route, so I found it more um, successful to kind of um, hire sales uh, managers who kind of do it and go visit stores directly and kind of make appointments um, and bring people into our studio. So we do a lot of our wholesale appointments here, um, and that kind of was more successful. So that kind of catapulted us into more independent boutiques and more um, small stores and then we kind of wanted to do um, more larger stores so we kind of approached like the bay we did a couple of claps with them and got across nationally across canada so that was kind of a big moment yeah can we pause there for a yeah. second i'm dying to know about that so yeah. um like how did you even get in contact with the bay was it just like so um the collections which is n- no longer around r.i.p unfortunately because they were great um they really are champions of small emerging canadian brands so this is this is like what two years ago now maybe two seasons three seasons ago from a year and a half um they uh wanted to like knew a bunch of the buyers at the bay and the fashion director and they wanted to make um kind of like a installment in six bays and then also online and they had 12 Canadian brands Ooh. so it was like a very cool kind of showcase almost and then they bought our collection um, so like they picked and chose from our collection and bought things and then kind of put it in this this like front space of the bay oh nice and then we had a couple of windows so it was like very and it was like a great spotlight on Canadian designers which was amazing and valuable kind of exposure that you know yeah especially like canada wide right yeah and then like they also bought our collection so we were officially in the bay and Um, that was just like a bonus 
No, that was part of it. Like oh, they were oh, buying, okay. they were buying in seasons, uh, not in season, ahead of season. So okay. uh, they did make some tweaks and custom, some custom stuff we did for them, but it was they you know put in good, good numbers, so it was great for us. Um, and then they sold it, so that was kind of once you give a collection to them, it's their like they're in charge of selling it. Um, and then uh, that was a beautiful kind of experience. And then the, the Barbie wanted to do a collaboration um, for their. I think it was their 50th birthday. Like, we're talking about, like, actual, like, Barbie Barbie, doll. Barbie, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Like, yes. the thing that everyone grew up playing yeah, with. Yeah, okay. So she, like, turned 50, and so they wanted to do an installation with the bay. 50 or 60, I can't remember now. But they wanted to do an installation with the bay, and so they found us at this pop-up, and then they took on three other designers. And so then that kind of continued for the next season. Oh, wow. So, they, yeah, we custom did stuff for her birthday. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. It was kind of, like, a cool way to incorporate, you know, small brands in this kind of, like mega Barbie label, Barbie brands. It was yeah. really awesome. And did they choose like Canadian and American designers or was no, it? No, so just... it was just in Canada too. So Barbie has, I guess, a uh, Mattel has the Canadian offices in the US. Oh, okay. Makes so sense. it was like uh, within Canada. Like Barbie Canada or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it was just within the Bay, which is only in Canada too. That's so cool. So mm-hmm. did you do, was it actually, do you know what? I kind of think I remember seeing that a couple, was it like two years ago? It was, uh, no, last spring. So oh. It was, yeah, it was like two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so then they just said like, hey, this is what we're looking for and we want you to design this? And you yeah, so they kind of like came by and looked at our collection. So it wasn't kind of enough time to build a new collection for them, but we had customized these pieces in our current spring collection for them. So oh. we have an embroidery machine. So we did like a lot of custom embroidery, like Barbie head and Barbie words and uh, quotes and stuff that Barbie has said or will say. So that was kind of how we made it custom for the, the Barbie collab. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So that's two years ago. And then what, like, what, tell me about your, um, intro to fashion week, because how many, uh, fashion weeks have you been in now? I think I started doing it in 2014. Uh, twice a year or just once a year? Twice a year. So that's what, eight now Um, you've done? Yeah. Wow. Eight, nine, something like that. There was a year that like the sponsor dropped out before fashion week came back. So there was like a, yes, I do. Yeah. An there was 2014. I think there was only one because yeah. of that. Yeah. So there has been some kind of like ups and downs with them um, in terms of like, you know, consistency in that schedule. But, uh, yeah, since it became Toronto fashion week, I think three seasons ago, I've been doing it. Um, when it's been Yorkville village. So it's been great. Nice. Mm-hmm. And w- can you talk to me a little bit about that process? Like I can only imagine it. Yeah. Being, like, chicken with your head cut, cut off. off of it like. so I definitely in the beginning I had no idea what I was kind of getting into especially it was 2014 so it was like I was you know such so, so young um and kind of green in my brand but now it's kind of a well-oiled machine so yeah because you've done it so many times and like I know all the players and it's uh, everyone's kind of the same each season in terms of people that work there and it's it's really kind of just you know you have a bunch of production meetings you have a hair and makeup meeting and then you know we're in charge of de- like developing our own product on our side which we're doing anyways because we're um, wholesaling it um and then uh you kind of just set up all these meetings you figure everything out and then you kind of show up day of and just just get rock it. yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like the quickest three hours ever but is it three i guess from start to finish yeah. with models and getting mm-hmm. ready and everything and how many looks do you need to have I think you like to have 12 looks. Oh, wow. I'm not sure. Um, I thought it was like 40 for some reason. No. So I think you do have a minimum of 12, but we usually do about 30, 35. So just depends on, also depends on what you do. So like an evening wear designer is not going to have 30. Yeah. Necessarily. They might, but lower chances that they're going to have 30 gowns. Cause right. Maybe like nurses or something. Yeah. Like yeah. the only one. Like but. a big, big one. But yeah. So like a lot of, and then a lot of smaller emerging brands probably have less than 
or 20-ish, depending. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm. Um, and that's something that you enjoy doing, right? Or is it just like part of your business? Um, I love it. So it's it's really a great way to kind of get feedback immediately because what we're showing is not coming out for another six six months. And so it's a great way to kind of um, see what people's like vibe is and what they're liking most. And so it kind of does help us tailor our production a little bit. So it's a kind of a great, just kind of... You know, instant media focus and inst- group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really quick, you know, small focus group. But yeah, it's great. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then what, at what point did you go cruelty free? We started going cruelty free in 2016. So that was um, we cut out fur, leather, feathers, um, and skins. And so that was uh, 2016. And then. Um, at that point, I was you know, had sourced a lot of vegan leathers I can use and a lot of like alternatives, but I didn't have a great kind of grasp on a great alternatives for like wool and silk. So we kept that for a couple more years and slowly phased those out over the next couple seasons. And then spring, summer 2019, so last spring, um, we became officially cruelty free. Nice, mm-hmm. congrats! And what made you want to go that route? Uh, so I became I've always been vegetarian, and then I became a vegan uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago now. Um, and so I kind of was just doing a lot of research into my food and kind of figuring out what I was eating and like the processes that went into sourcing certain things. And I just didn't love love what I was seeing and reading. And at that point, I think a lot of movies were coming out like Food Inc. and all that kind of stuff. And I was really just like kind of like thrown into it. My eyes were kind of opened, and I kind of switched my lifestyle over. And then it kind of felt um, weird, but also using these kind of materials in my work, um, which is so personal to me. So I kind of was, um, wanted to switch over. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I, one thing I love about your collection and it's like definitely, I think a staple, especially to people that know you in Toronto is, um, like definitely the cruelty free thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you make like a lot of, I don't want to call them political statements, but sort of like yeah. you definitely stand up for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Like I know you have lots of, um, quotes and stuff that like talk about equal pay and mm-hmm. whatever. And like what made you kind of want to, cause I feel like, um, a lot of designers can make statements with their clothes, but mm-hmm. then like you're really making like actual legitimate statements with words. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. It's in your face. Yeah. Um, so what made you want to kind of get involved with that? So I actually went to the Women's March in Washington. Um, oh, nice. Yes. That was two or three years ago now. And I've always kind of been an outspoken uh, proponent of feminism and equal rights and, um, you know, equal pay and all that kind of stuff. It's always been kind of a current theme in my life anyways um and so I went to this women's march and I just kind of loved the vibe I loved being there I love seeing kind of people coming together women and men children and everyone kind of coming together to support this you know goal of equality essentially and so I kind of was just so inspired by it and then it was part of our fall winter 17 collection actually so we made a bunch of jackets with some sayings in the back feminism and equal pay and it really kind of did well for us and so we started to expand it and kind of things that, you know, I was seeing relevant in this, you know, in, in society. So like the whole don't tell me to smile thing was kind of really big. And so we, we did that on the back of a jacket. And then we really wanted to use this kind of capsule collection to give back. So we have been giving 15% of all of our proceeds to a local Toronto uh, women's um, program. So it's called Up With Women and they donate money to and help homeless women and families. And so I really wanted to kind of support a local organization that also was like exclusively supporting women so that to get back on their feet so that's kind of been the reason I've like kept it so long is just because we're able to be so charitable with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anything like, like it's never really going to go to style because mm-hmm. I know that they're, they're on a lot of your bomber jackets right yeah. like who doesn't wear a bomber exactly. at least once every season it's an easy style yeah and, and it's, it's it's 
it's great for like the weather right now. It's yeah. great for, you know, spring. It's great for, you know, fall and stuff. So yeah, it's a great, it's an easy piece. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. And, and like, I think too, a lot of people don't even realize, I think now more, but mm-hmm. 2017, you first came out with it. Like, I don't even think a lot of people, men and women realized that women were not being paid equally. We just probably assumed that we were. Yeah. It's, um, it's pathetic. It's pathetic that like it's been going on for so long and it hasn't been like a sticking point with, you know, industry or, or anything. And I, I think a lot of people put it, the blame on the individual person. Like, you know, some people say women don't ask for as much money or don't ask for raises. And I think that's kind of like a cop out because totally. you should have corporate responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, not to mention people, you know, coming from a place of like, I guess more of a privilege or whatever, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, well you should ask for it. But then when you have like so much running, riding on the line, not to say that women have more than men, but like a lot of the times, yeah. you know, they have families and whatnot and people to we support. We have more disruptive lives essentially especially if you're in your 30s or whatever exactly. you have you know things that come up more than you know men do so it, mm-hmm. yeah and it's like you're afraid you're not you're afraid but you have more to lose mm-hmm. than you know yeah um but no i love that that you incorporate that mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask you more about oh i love you always have so much blue in your collection is that like tell me about that um i'm currently crushing on blue right now i think that's why so it's been kind of a common theme over my last couple of seasons yeah it's just a color that like i currently really love and think it's a great color front for all seasons we've been doing a different iterations of it in different kind of color palettes so going from navy to kind of like a cerulean light blue um yeah it's kind of like a couple years ago I was really into the 70s that was like a common thread you kind of see through my collection so some things kind of stick around for a little bit longer than a season yeah yeah so you're just literally loving blue yeah yeah it is so um especially the light baby blue or Mm -hmm. I don't know what the word you called it but um it's uh it's almost like a very chic royalness yeah, to yeah. it. Um, it's kind of like a pastel blue, right? Yeah. It's a little more elevated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, okay, and so what uh, what do you have happening? Like, I hate asking people, like, where do you see yourself in five years? But, like, I also kind of want to know. <laughs> where do I see myself in five years? That's my it's the trickiest question, I think, ever. Um, where I would like to see myself in five years is really kind of expanding on our business. So, um, you know, we really want to grow it. We have a pretty strong e-commerce business right now which is really great for us so we really want to like expand upon that and grow that more and more um and then also um we were hoping to put out more so we currently do two seasonal collections so we're like you know wanting to maybe also put out like a third like a resort or something like that so it's kind of a lofty goal for five years um and really to kind of like expand our team and just kind of keep growing and growing and growing nice yeah and how are you strictly wholesale now no, so we're about fifty percent wholesale, fifty percent e-commerce. Oh, that's right, you just said. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and we're like, like Hudson's Bay is probably one of the bigger stores. Yeah, and they're mostly independent boutiques, and then we're on TSC, so that's kind of a big, kind oh, of big one nice. for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. I love how they're still pumping away. Like yeah, you would think crazy. that it would just be more e-commerce, but yeah, they're still like they're nuts. Like they have a great business model, and it works for them. And it's you know they're very interested in kind of being a little fashion forward too, so it kind of aligns with our brand. And they have this great segment called Style Matter. It's actually hosted by Jeannie Becker, and so they bring oh, on nice. three brands, and like um, Pink Chartons on it, and you know, like Ron White. So they bring on these kind of like three brands each Thursday, and it's only for a couple months every season. And it's a great, and like they bring the designer on, and there's like usually oh. a little fashion show, and then they don't directly like sell the product to you, and it's kind of just showing you how to do different outfits and stuff with the product that they are selling. So it's a oh. great kind of like alternative to the traditional TSC model. To like, here's the product, this is what it yeah, is, yeah. buy it now by calling this number. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of more of like a stylistic way of doing it so it's a great kind of fit for for our brand nice Mm -hmm. i love that 
Um, and then, yeah, okay, let's, uh, talking about, like, the e-commerce, because I feel, too, like, right as your brand was sort of emerging, mm-hmm. that's also when e-commerce was emerging. Like, Huge, right? I feel like we're we're really never going to go through something like that ever again. Yeah. That, like, it was zero, and now it's there. And, it's nuts. Um, so, like, yeah, how did you even start to navigate all that? So, I love e-commerce because we kind of directly see... Um, what's selling. So like, you know, we get reports from our wholesale clients, but we don't know necessarily, you know, what's the best seller, how quickly it's going. So it's a great way to kind of get a pulse on what our consumers really want. So I love that aspect of it. It is a lot of inventory management. It's a lot of logistics. It's, you know, every day you're shipping out orders. Um, do you do your own shipping? Yeah. So we ship here. Um, so it's a lot of, you know, us kind of managing that. So that do you have like somebody that's designated to do that? Yeah, and okay, then we good. keep all our inventory in studio, so we're able to ship it out of here. But it's a lot of stairs and running around. Yeah, but it's good. good um, yeah, right. Um, and then you know, I was so naive in the beginning. I was like, make a website and they will come, which is not the case. So you definitely need to have like a marketing strategy to go, you know, in, in with it in tandem. So um, that. So I, the website was about, been out for two years now, and then we started aggressively doing marketing about a year ago, and that's when we saw like the biggest spike in upticks. It's just like introdu- people, introducing people to your brand is the goal. So we're trying to be educational in our ads and show people what we have. And so that's been kind of a great way to grow e-commerce. Nice. Mm-hmm. And has it been mainly like Instagram and Facebook ads? or Mostly. Um, those are kind of the biggest ways to access people. And the great thing about Facebook and Instagram is you can target certain people Mm -hmm. so we're not just targeting everyone we're targeting women and certain ages and um certain areas we have like data that which which areas does better for us obviously cities generally are better better um better buyers better people more people buy in the cities so like we can target specifically who we're going to go to and so we advertise our feminist capsule too so we you know targeted the people that are political or interested in feminism so we don't want to like bother Mm -hmm. those that are interested in with you know ads they don't want to see so it's a great way to kind of directly speak to a consumer that you're trying to get nice Mm -hmm. so um what would you uh i don't even know if you've thought about your resort collection but what sort of uh because i know you're very like coat and like sort of i think like fall like i know you do summer stuff obviously and whatever but yeah what do you think you would do for like resort resort i feel like it'd be very like boho moroccan-esque it's kind of i love that kind of um, vibe so it'd be a little more flowy and vacationy to me would be my ideal resort Mm -hmm. nice actually i do remember i watched some of your instagram stories a while ago i think that you did like the history of um or like didn't you go to morocco or you went somewhere i went to portugal oh okay and did you find some textiles there that you ended up bringing back yeah oh my god they have like crazy great um just there's tiles everywhere so it's just like a did you go there to source or no i just went there on vacation yeah and this was a fluke yeah and i just like loved it and so i picked some stuff up and then we ended up buying from print designers and they did a lot of tile prints we were able to incorporate that into our collection so yeah it was just like a randomly there and now like my whole house is filled with tiles because I just like love it it's just like so my aesthetic nice yes and lots of blues yeah a lot of blues a lot of just kind of everything a lot of like yellows and and it's you know it's very fresh too because it's just a warm place right so it's it's just it's just they've done such a great job of kind of keeping their history which is what I love so much about like Europe is yeah they've done just a great job of that and I I wish we kind of I guess we're we're much younger country so yeah it's hard to preserve things but yeah they've just 
you can walk around and you can just feel it when you're everywhere you are and you're up. Totally. And you know that you're in, like, you're not going to see the same area twice. Like, right. um, it was funny. I was actually, I think I was talking to my brother and he ended up driving across Canada oh, uh, wow. to like leave and go to Japan and do all this stuff. But he was telling me that he drove up North. I think he was like in Th- Thunder Bay or, or Timmins or something. Um, and he pulled over quickly to run into a shopper's drug mart and he came out of his car and he sat in his car and he was like, I could be in Richmond Hill, Aurora, like, it's all and, the same. and it looks the exact, yeah. it's like a smart center plaza. It's like the exact same. Yeah. And it's like almost a little bit scary. I mean, it's convenient because you kind of know what you're yeah. getting and you can always access, but at the same time, it's like, like, it's kind of, I love Europe for that reason mm-hmm. too. It's like, you know, you're in Italy and like, you're only in Italy and you're not going to see the same stuff in England and like, you know, yeah. even within Italy, like you go to Venice, you go to Rome. Yeah. Completely, completely different, different. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what else, uh, what can we expect from you? I, I shouldn't say this year, I guess next season. So like spring. So next season, uh, spring 2020 is what we're currently in the process of manufacturing. So, um, and it comes out in February. And so. And do you do manufacturing here in Toronto? So we do half here and half overseas. So okay. we actually manufacture, our, our Canada manufacturing is like right down the street from us. Oh, so nice. it's really convenient. We can go check up on all the time. Um, and then the rest we kind of do overseas. And that's a great way for us to manage our margins. We have a, like a more of accessible price point so now everything's nothing's above like 325 right now so Beautiful. that's the way that we keep it low um so spring 2020 it actually um was inspired by the, this color blue cerulean um so it's kind of a lot of textures it's not so many much print this season but a lot of um quilted like vegan leathers as a snake skin vegan leather um there's some brocades it's more about texture and color so it's kind of keeping a really fresh color palette and then we're also have recently expanded our sizing for spring 2020, which we're really excited about. Mm. So we're going up to 4X in size 28. So we're doing it in a capsule wow. collection. And so in we're, all of your products or just? Just a capsule version. So oh, okay. we're taking 25 of our products um, out of, I think there's 55 total in the season. We're taking 25 of them and expanding to, to larger sizes just to kind of test it. It's new for us and we've never done it before. So we really wanted to test kind of what works, um, our size, our sizing, because it's our first kind of foray into it. So get that really, the fit down perfectly and kind of get it on people. So nice. yeah, and then hopefully next season we can make it all the pieces. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And how are you finding like manufacturers um, responding to like the wider size Sizes? range? Because I like, I've dabbled a little bit and I'm I know having... that a lot of them are just like, oh, we only do small to large. And I'm like, not even extra small, not even extra large. Like a lot of them yeah. don't even go there. So I find that if you if you kind of give your patterns to them, or you kind of are very specific about how you want things to be, they're open to it. Um, it's just kind of if you're having them develop your patterns or your grading for you. A lot of people don't have knowledge on larger sizes because it isn't about just getting things bigger, right? Like it's not just like making a small into a size 24. Like it is a different way to grade grade it to make it bigger so something like the armholes get bigger without mm-hmm. the shoulder seams getting larger so it is i think a lot of people have pushback maybe just because the lack of knowledge on how to do right. it because it is a it's a trickier thing to do and that's sort of like your forte mm-hmm. is doing that grading and right yeah your, mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. amazing well um i love all of your stuff oh, thank you <laughs> and uh I, I thank you for always having me at your shows because yes. i love to see you know what you have coming out and everything um, is there there is going to be another fashion weekend yeah. thing, right? Okay, so nothing's been released or anything, but but we can yeah, assume February, yeah. Okay, I know I, I always want to assume, but then I'm like, you never know, right? Because there's always something that happens. Yeah. You know, <laughs> an indie show will pop up or something. So uh, 
Yeah. I, I haven't heard anything, but I, I'm assuming it'll be. It'll. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, before I let you go, mm-hmm. um, I would like to know about your uh, shoes. Yes, your shoes today that you're wearing. Okay, mm-hmm. so they, they aren't super special to me or anything like that. I'm I'm not so uh, such a sneakerhead, but um, the reason I love them and wanted to show them off is because they are a vegan leather and they are oh, wow. in a vegan print, which um, up until like a couple years ago was more of a difficult thing to kind of to find and a good quality thing to find because you could never really tell no. by looking yeah. at them. Yeah, and so it's like a great kind of and then you know a lot of vegan leather stuff a couple years ago was kind of more utilitarian so in terms of like a boot but like like a winter boot and so now we're seeing a lot of you know experimentation in that kind of like color range and and prints and like thicknesses and you know it's kind of everywhere the vegan leather scene right now is exploding so it's I you know I'm proud of it and I like love it and it's a great way for me to kind of be able to wear fashionable things that aren't necessarily you know cruel to animals so that's kind of why it's important to me and I kind of love them amazing yeah and um one piece of advice for people listening who are walking a, a similar path to you. So who kind of, especially maybe people who are in Canada who want to start a, um, a fashion Mine, design business. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I cannot stress how important it is to go work for someone first um, and, right. or have some kind of access to a nest egg or saving up your money or however, because having a fashion line is extremely expensive. Um, it's not, you might win, have these, you know, wins really early in your career, but it's, it's a, it's a 10 year plus thing. So you really need to be dedicated to building a brand. And, you know, the thing about fashion design that kind of sucks is that we have to make all our product and then we ship it and then we get paid. So it's not like you have the money up front to get, Mm -hmm. you don't know, prepays, you know, a season before to get your goods. So you need to be thinking about your cash flow and your business plan and be very on it and, um, know where to source your materials. So you're not overspending money. So I think that's kind of a, a lot of designers come out and they have so many ideas and they're so amazing, but they don't kind of think about the business side of it. And I think you need to be really cognizant of that. So my advice is go work for somebody, go learn a little bit more, get a little more experience, save up some money, and then you can dive into it, you know, head first. Beautiful. Very logistic, um, yeah. logical well, I wish someone advice. told me that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, that's great. Thank you. Um, okay, guys, that's it for this episode. Um, you can follow Hillary at Hillary McMillan, and it is Hillary with one L. One L. I have made this mistake already. <laughs> uh, and then it's Macmillan, so M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Um, of course, you can follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review. Uh, otherwise that's it I will see you guys next week and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers